0: Welcome to Peeves' is Gap Fest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Yiggs. And today we are analyzing Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. This is a long portion of the film at 1 hour and 50 minutes through 2 hours, 6 minutes, and 54 seconds. It's a really exciting discussion this week as the trio makes their way past Fluffy and discover the rest of the professor's safeguards. Before we start gabbing, we wanted to give a quick spoiler warning as we will be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. You've been warned, Igglephirsties. Before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet.
1: It's Quidditch season, and planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential. We don't want anyone falling off their brooms from
0: dehydration. Liquid IV has you covered while you prep during wood speeches, power through the game, and recover in the common room afterwards. Liquid
2: IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional potions.
0: I have tried the grape... The sea berry and the cherry. And I would say sea berry and cherry are my absolute favorite. I'll have to try
1: the cherry. I haven't tried that one yet. I was kind of like hoping that was like the best one. So I'm saving it for last because <laughs> compared to lemon lime, I was like, I'm not sure if like that would be like a disappointment or something. So I'm hoping it's really good. Because it's
0: the last it one. It is really good. And <laughs> I like how like saturated the flavor is of liquid IV.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Doesn't feel That's, all watery. It's right. very
1: strong. Like the grape one was a really like powerful, like just flavor profile in like a big cup of water. Like I had, I think it was like 40 ounce bottle and it didn't feel like diluted or watery at all. It just was like flavor bam like whoa
0: yes I agree and I love a good flavorful water yes
2: I do too well and it's nice if something's really flavor packed you know just as is because then you can always water it down per your taste rather than you having to like use double of the concentrate or something exactly
1: Well, one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than any other potion and comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting.
2: Made with premium ingredients and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy.
0: Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world and has partnered with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world.
1: Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code GABFEST to at checkout.
2: That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code GABFEST at liquidiv.com. Welcome
0: back, listeners. James, what feedback do you have for us this week?
1: So I got some feedback from Instagram. A, someone called Cat's Mommy Ska if I, you know, SKA, it doesn't necessarily matter, I'm not sure, uh, decided to say, I forgot which episode you guys talked about the fact that they cast Peeves in the first movie, but have any of you read Tom Felton's book? He talks about the actor that was cast, Rick Mayall, uh i'm so sad he was cut because according to tom the actor was a real laugh we totally missed out and for those of you who are curious the book is called beyond the wand and that's just you know some research we did that isn't necessarily from the feedback this person gave us but i think that's very interesting and I did not know the name of the actor, which I think was uh, a very cool little tidbit. But the fact that that information is out there is it's sad because we would have loved that. I think it would have Mm -hmm. made the movie a really, uh, really fleshed out a little bit more than it was. Um, And the fact that they went through all the effort and then all of a sudden, nope, it's gone. We're not even going to like move on with it. And
0: right. There's even a photo of this actor in the Peeves costume. So they even got that far before they decided to cut the character, which is a real shame.
2: Yeah. Thank you for pointing out about his book, too. Um, Just in general, I'm definitely going to read
0: that. Oh, I hope he audio he narrates the audio version. Oh my
2: goodness. I'm listening to just a novel right now. Um, I honestly don't even remember the title and I don't remember the author and I don't remember the name of the person who is, um, who reads it or narrates it. Um, but it's so soothing to listen to the woman who narrates has like the most soothing British voice. And I'm just like, (laughs) I don't even remember what's going on because I'm just listening to it while I'm at work, you know, so I'm like kind of it's like background noise, but it's so pleasant. And I would love to listen to a book that Tom Felton reads out loud.
0: Well, why don't you read our five star review in your best um, not doing pleasant
2: narration? <laughs> <laughs> OK,
0: no accents from me.
2: So we have a five star review by Blonde Atlantis. I love this podcast. It's so much fun. I reread the entire, I reread the entire Harry Potter series at least once a year, but hardly ever watch the movies because as lovely as they are, they are so far removed from the books. I love that this crew points out every little difference, not to complain, but to get excited about how the new series can be better. I also love how in-depth they go because it absolutely matches my level of obsession. Thank you for making this podcast. And if you ever need a Gryffindor member, I am here for you.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Fond Atlantis. Well, thank you so much. I feel like that review really encapsulates what we talk about mm-hmm. this co- podcast being all about, um, really well. So yeah. thank you for that.
1: Yeah, Thanks. I especially like how she recognizes that we're not complaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> I think some we people tend to do a like, lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feels uh, like, like we
2: like
0: feels we're like not I'm complaining,
1: complaining, yeah. complaining, but like. Right. We're 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 saying hey, this didn't happen, and we're glad that it's going to happen. So it's like Mm -hmm. we're not complaining just to complain. We're just we're pointing out some things that disappointed us, and now we get to like get excited about the fact that it's going to be it might happen.
2: Yes. And exactly, I um, appreciate saying if we need a Gryffindor member that you're here for us because I a hundred percent of the time when I say what house I'm in, forget that I'm Ravenclaw and I think that I'm Gryffindor. And so if we had a um, actual Gryffindor member, then I would probably remember that that's not me. We <laughs> <Maybe> all <laughs> stick that on.
0: <laughs> thank you. We love the five star reviews. Yes, we sure do. Please, yes, thank you. Those reviews um, on Apple Podcast. But getting into the discussion, um, we are getting into the climax of this story, and the chapter starts out with a few notes about the exams, and then Harry kind of comes to this conclusion um, that he's a little suspicious about how Hagrid got this dragon egg from a few chapters ago. And in the film, we do get a quick line about how the exams were easier than she thought they would be from Hermione. And then a quick line again about Harry's scar. And then we kind of get right into the moment with Hagrid, but I don't feel too much is really cut, even though I think those, you know, brief lines that we get from those two characters kind of encapsulate what those few pages explained pretty well what do you guys think yeah
2: i think it was it you know it, it might have been condensed a little bit but i think overall it was pretty i think it was pretty well done
1: i think the idea was communicated well mm-hmm. um so like there isn't necessarily a a problem with shortening this little section in order to get us to the urgency of oh no, someone's gonna take the stone. I think it was kind of condensed well, but this is definitely something going forward. I'd like to maybe see spread out to give us that
2: mm. world building,
1: that world building, but also like mm. the tension of the scar because yeah, that um, to see Harry's scar hurting, I feel would be a little bit more. In my opinion, I as I was reading it, I was like, "Wow, this is going to be a continuous thing. Mm-hmm. This should be something that's focused on going forward for Harry because it's how he starts, like, kind of determining danger and warnings, and how yeah. he gets on edge, and <clears throat> how he feels like uh, he's being um, watched or or that kind of stuff. It's it's his. It's like not to be like that Marvel geek, but." that Mm -hmm. spider sense Mm -hmm. it's his spider sense and it tells him when something's off Mm -hmm. and uh, i don't feel like we got that in the movies i feel like we in the movie we we definitely got him going oh my scar has been hurting but we didn't really get a good focus on why would it be hurting or the nightmares that he's been having and stuff like that
2: and yeah. I I also think that um, going along with that, I I highlighted actually Harry um, half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. And I mean, for us to, of course, that Voldemort becomes a big part of this book. So it makes sense that he's in here. But that's I mean, he's 11 years old and he already has that feeling of this just like it's hanging over him that this dark wizard is going to be he knows how dangerous he is and other people it's like they know how dangerous other people know how dangerous he is because like nobody will say his name and all of that but they it's so far removed from their lives because Voldemort's not after them Voldemort's typically after Harry or you know after certain people and so well, Harry he's been gone for over a decade as well right and because Harry which he says in his internal monologue in the book that he Voldemort's visiting him in his dreams he has the scar that's prickling and he he knows that he is so much more connected to Voldemort unfortunately and so he knows that he has that and others don't but I think that um we should see more of that going on like like you were saying James that tension that's building up um it's I think that's really important especially for somebody who is as young as Harry
0: is to already be feeling that stress it would be nice to see more of the exams paralleling his scar hurting more and more um, because they always make a big hula about the exams and how uh, important the exams are in the school years and how much stress, especially in year five, that they cause the students. Um, So to see that stress building like in Hermione, see that stress building in Hermione and then see the scar becoming more painful and hairy. And like seeing, you know, like a minute or two of that kind of build up in the beginning of of this episode.
2: Yeah, I also wrote, uh, or I highlighted uh, making a pineapple tap dance across a desk. Um, Points were given for how pretty the snuff box was. Um, (laughs) I want to see like those little details of like actually what they do in the exams. I agree that like having that build up of the the stress of the exams is really important because that's a huge deal like it's the end of the whole Mm -hmm. year that they're taking these exams and so that's a lot of stress as anybody who has ever gone to school can imagine um but also the little details because we don't get a lot of actual magic in the movies really if you think about it (laughs) i mean they it's kind of like they reserve a lot of the magic for like a big cgi scene to like I, I know it's like they save it all for like certain scenes to like really pack a punch for the films. But there's so much little magic, um, little moments of it that's again the world building that's throughout all of the books, and we just don't get that in the movie. So hopefully in the show they can add more of those details in.
1: And that's probably because of just the time period in which the movie was made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CGI back then was a lot more complicated than it is to mm-hmm. uh, like than it is now, and so uh, I would say that that's just an opportunity for us to be able to see how magical the world can actually be, yes, because we're not, we're not, <clears throat> it's not that difficult to uh, do these little bits of magic happening every once in a while or just to see. Uh, see like little sparks flying from uh, a wand that somebody is practicing a spell on or or that kind of stuff Um, because it doesn't take a lot of effort now it's it's a seamless type of scenario i mean it's still probably it still could be a lot of work to have a lot of cgi throughout an episode but it compared to how much effort needed to be done just to do what we did Uh, in the movie Uh, it is that's like child's play now and it's obviously a lot better and easier for them to do the stuff that they did in the movie in less time even because of just how much advancement we've had in the technology and in the ability to do so
0: well and we always talk about how the show is just going to have more time to show these types of things as well and this is i i I didn't go back and double check but this is a very long portion of the film at about 20 minutes just over it's about 22 fifths no (laughs) you guys know i can't do math it's um 16 17 minutes um so almost 20 minutes of a film for this one chapter So it'll be very easy to fill this out into a full episode with the classes and the tests. And then, um, of course, all of the tasks that we're going to get into in a minute. Um, And I would like to see more time spent on those tasks um, because there are a few that are cut from the film that were in the book. But before we get to those... We have the conversation with Hagrid that kind of kicks off this entire chapter and what happens because Hagrid reveals that the masked person that gave him the dragon egg does know how to put Fluffy to sleep. And now they know that it's going to happen soon because this masked person now knows all of the ways to get through the tasks and can get to the stone. Um, and I felt that this adaptation of them talking to Hagrid was really well done. I don't really have any complaints. Do you guys?
1: No, because uh, it's actually one of my favorite parts because it's just Hagrid doesn't think twice about the situation, but as these, ki- uh, as these kids are asking him these questions and he's going back again in In like reviewing the evening and how it went down, and he's saying these things out loud, like the realization dawning on Hagrid being like, Oh no. Like I just told like the biggest secret that I said I wasn't gonna tell to a complete random stranger. And like he doesn't have a lot of time to process what the kids have processed because they're already like ten steps ahead in front of Hagrid. They already have been piecing this together for the entire year. And that was the bit, a piece of information they were missing for them to just go, oh, we need to go tell Dumbledore. And they are running off. And Hagrid's just left there going, I shouldn't have told you that. And I shouldn't have said that. And I was just like, it, it's just, it works really well to the point where you're just kind of like, oh, poor Hagrid. I'm, like, I'm so sorry, Hagrid, that you're just now realizing that you shouldn't have said that.
2: Yeah, I think that this... Um... I think that this scene was done well. I mean, it's one of those where, like, you know, they're taking out a bunch of stuff. But then for a couple of the lines for this scene in the film, they kept right on with the book. But I still like the way that they did it. You know, I think I think it was good. I think, I don't know, just like the character arc, I guess. Like, you can really tell that the kids have been planning and like thinking about it for a long time. And they did just like have an aha moment. And you can tell that Hagrid is like it, it. They just were able to put it, put all of those feelings, I think onto the screen the right way compared to the books.
0: Yeah. We also have a chat with professor McGonagall. Um, because as soon as they leave Hagrid, they run and um, they would like to find Dumbledore but they come across McGonagall instead and I feel like they it's not that they cut too much out uh, but it did feel a lot more brief and I think we use the word flat a lot (laughs) um, that the movies just kind of flatten out the emotions of the books and I thought that this conversation with McGonagall was pretty flattened what about you
1: i'm not sure about flat like i think they got the points across like maybe there could have been a little bit more but just because like when you're comparing it to the book i like the books way better like it completely catches her off guard because she's like that's not the answer she was expecting them to say that's not like that came out of like she literally got blindsided almost uh, and how that is shown in the book is a lot more like what's the word
0: exaggerated flamboyant like, ex-
1: exaggerated flamboyant like it's just it's a it's a huge reaction compared right. to she drops
0: all of her books to the ground <laughs> yeah
1: compared compared to maggie smith's version of doing it where she's just like how do you know of like Maggie Smith did it really well because Maggie name is the great. McGar- Smith. I'm sorry. Dame <laughs> Maggie Smith does it really well uh, because she's an amazing actress, but mm-hmm. her reaction in the movie is a lot less grand, like flamboyant grand type scenario versus what's, what was being portrayed in the book. And so having that contrast, we kind of feel we we kind of do feel like it could be flat, which I don't really think it is flat, but I just feel like it's missing more of that emotional reaction. Grandiose, yeah, I grandiose. Ah, there you go. That's <laughs> the word I was looking for.
0: I know it came to me just now. <laughs> um, grandiose, grandiose, and not that. Dame Maggie Smith is not a grandiose actress because we all know that she's phenomenal, but I would like to see her drop those books. I'm sure that will be a comedic m- moment that Meigs would love to see as well. You know it. <laughs> so following this conversation with McGonagall, we head straight into a brief encounter with Snape. And again, Alan Rickman, you know, great actor. Um, but just kind of gave like a different feel I mm-hmm. felt from the movie than what was written on the page I do think that even though he, Alan Rickman's
2: portrayal of Snape is not what many of us had envisioned Snape to be like when we were reading the books I do love that he basically like created a completely different version of the character and did such a good job with the version that he created that like, even though it is so much different, I'm like, I don't even care. I love the way that he, I love the Snape that he created, but um, I do agree that when you read the book, it's, he's like, Snape's a lot more petty kind of in the book. Um, and <laughs> just like how he says to Harry, I will personally see that you are expelled. Um Like, you, I can't picture Alan Rickman's Snape saying something like that. But the Snape in the books, I totally can. And I'm okay with both of them. But I do want to see in the show the book version of Snape.
0: Yeah. I love that you pointed that out, Meigs. And I think it's something that we've talked about before about the book and the movie Mm -hmm. characters being different characters. And I think that's why with Snape there's such a divide in the fandom on – whether or not people like Snape or hate Snape and like like his redemption and consider it a redemption because Alan Rickman is such a great actor and his Snape is so different than the book Snape that you can't help but to love Alan Rickman's Snape and appreciate that redemption arc. Um, but in the books, he's, like you said, so much more petty
1: oh most definitely uh i i think we did talk about that a little bit and i think that's going to be a consistent thing we're going to talk about going forward because i i i really do think having different like you can't you can't have somebody come in and try to play alan rickman like right That's not not the point. You're trying to play Snape and you have to have it be different. It's like the whole thing with like Genie and the Aladdin, uh, how Robin Williams made this character his own and nobody can play it like he can. When they casted casted the movie, everybody's um, worries were like, oh, how are they going to do the Genie? Because they're not going to be able to like do Robin Williams the same way. Um, And... They're right because Robin Williams created a character. He's the only one who's going to be able to do it. If you're trying to act the way that Robin Williams did, you're trying to act like Robin Williams, not the genie, which does a disservice to the character in in of itself. And so, I really like Will Smith's version of the genie because it's unique to how Will Smith decided to play the character, not will smith trying to emulate robin williams playing the character so when we do get these new actors coming in and playing these roles yeah we're we can't see them replacing these actors who did really well but it's that's not their job their job is to play the character and if that feels different then or looks different or is approached differently then i think we uh, I think they did their job really well because that was their portrayal of the character. They did their, yeah. they did, they did the justice to the character. They did justice to what was going on. If they're trying to act like they're the previous version, then they missed the assignment in my book. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the genie is a really good analogy to to compare this situation to, and I think. You're absolutely right that it's having what Alan Rickman did with the character and making that, you know, spiteful character so loved. Um, It will be interesting to see how they portray him in the show and what the fandom will think about this new Snape this time around.
2: I would also Um, like to point out, in the scene and i like can't not focus on it whenever this scene is happening um alan rickman like gets bumped by a student or something when he's talking with them does anybody else know what i'm talking about when he's looking at um when he's looking at the three after he like they like find out that snape is listening and they're like all nervous and he like in the middle of him talking he kind of like does a, a nobody can see me except for Saturday and james okay listeners I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm lurching forward a little bit I like can't not think about it and see it every time I watch the movie. So I'm curious if anybody else knows. What I I'm didn't talking notice
0: about. it this time, but I did notice when they come out of McGonagall's room, it looks like he gets bumped, mm-hmm. and like he's he turns around, and that's how he sees the three of them. Mm. Um, so that's kind of funny. He gets bumped twice by students, and just imagining Snape being bumped by <laughs> students and how annoyed that must make him. <laughs>
2: so funny yeah um i do like how in this scene um i i love the confidence that the kids have that the trio has that like i mean they end up being right about the sorcerer's stone and everything but just like thinking about three little 11 year olds like being such confidence like going like we have to see professor dumbledore because snape is going to steal the stone tonight like it must be, even though they're talking about serious stuff, it must be like really fun as professors to like see the kids saying things <laughs> like that.
0: Well, and that brings up a point that we've talked about before about does Dumbledore know it is this all part of his plan? Like I think he it is. says later that he realized halfway to the ministry that it must have been a trap, but does he go knowing it's a trap? Or not a trap, but knowing to get he's it's to get him out of the castle just so that Harry goes and confronts Voldemort.
1: Well, I think he has to because it's the only way to get the person that he probably suspects to actually mm. execute their plan to get caught. I don't think he planned on the kids going after, like that probably was maybe a little bit of a surprise. Um but I I think his plan was to go and look like he actually was falling for the trap and then come back and catch the culprit because of how the mirror set up, knowing that the only way to get the stone is to um, not want the stone. Right. So, I think Dumbledore was pretty confident in his trial, knowing that if somebody was able to get past all of the other enchantments, they weren't going to get past the last one and they were just going to get stuck there until mm. he got back and was able to handle the situation. Okay. I, th- I, th- at least that's the way that I'm Your imagining it. Cannon. Okay. That's my head cannon. I really don't, th- I think having Harry, Ron and Hermione act upon their suspicions as well was a, a, a little bit more of like a genuine surprise type scenario. I was like, Oh, they did this as well like that's they they connected the dots just as much as I did but I do think Dumbledore knew it was a trap and left purposefully to just bring his trap on the person he knows was hunting the stone
0: yeah I can I can get behind that any final thoughts on this kind of first half before we get into our final encounter before we go through the trap door I'm good. Me too. Right, so the trio heads down to the common room with their invisibility cloak to sneak out, but they are met with one final encounter, Neville Longbottom.
1: Pops right out of the armchair and goes, you're sneaking out again, aren't you? <laughs> I, can, I can point out that this is one thing the movie did really well because this was like his his moment of bravery yeah we we didn't get the opportunity to see that growth but to have neville stand up to harry ron and hermione is pretty important for himself and the fact that they included it in the movie is nice to kind of give a little bit of growth to that character, even though they could have done way more, and they did do way more to flesh that out and make it so that we could appreciate it. But I really, like, the scene worked really well. Neville was brave. He was, but also really scared, even though it was people that he admires. Like, he admires Hermione and Ron and Harry at this point. Like, they've done so much for him up until now. It's really hard. Ho- it probably was really hard for him to say no. I don't want you to lose more points for Gryffindor. Like, don't do this. I, I'm gonna stop you. Pro- that was probably very difficult for him to do. But yet, yeah, he still sure. did it anyways. In the portrayal of that and how that happened, worked really well. And just, how ha- just having Hermione go in and just do the full body bind, body bind curse on him. And have him falling falling flat. Though in the movie, he falls on his back. Whereas in the book, he falls face forward. Which I found very interesting as a difference. As I always a difference. thought
2: about that too.
1: But I, either way, like I think the movie did a really good job in making sure that that was kind of portrayed really well. So I really don't have anything more else to add other than do it again.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think that they did a good job of um, that scene. I think that they really have that point come across. Um, I do also agree that, um, you know, because they cut Neville out so much, we miss a lot of the character growth leading up to this point, like the full importance of it, I think. (sighs) is just flattened a little bit in the film, like everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But well, and also the. The books have harsher language, not curse words, but um, like Ron exploded, get away from the hole and don't be an idiot when he's talking to Neville. And in the movies, they Mm. don't use language like that. So I, I think that I'm like fine with both. Like, I think that the film, they did a fine job at that. But I also think that the books like that's probably the books are probably a little bit more of like how 11 year olds would talk to each other. But I don't know. I've never been an eleven year old boy. Like I've never called anybody and like one of my girlfriends an idiot. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um but I do think I do I do like both, I guess is my point, even though they are different. And um and and I think that the film like gets the point across of you know, that it's a big deal that Neville's standing up to the friends, his friends, but um but they could, you know do a lot more world building and added more details of course in the tv show
1: having been an 11 year old boy i can say (laughs) that the word idiot does is like very uh passively aggressively used in many circumstances (laughs) but a lot of the times it's almost like uh it's almost just like don't be silly like kind of scenario don't
0: be an idiot yeah Well, we are entering the most exciting part of the chapter, and dare I say book, because it's all about puzzles and figuring out and overcoming these challenges. So the first of six of the book, but only four of the film, is of course Fluffy, which we have seen before. Um... But and it's done one way differently. <laughs> slight change. So go ahead and tell me what that is, James.
1: Uh in the movie, Fluffy's already asleep. In the book he he's awake, but they put him to sleep. Uh and they're using ha- the flute that Hagrid gave Harry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, in order to do that, but you have to constantly be playing the music in order for him to stay asleep. So Harry or Hermione or someone is playing the flute consistently in the background while the others are trying to get the door open in order to go down and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's the biggest difference is that, uh, is that someone's playing a flute in order to keep the dog asleep. So that they can go down and follow Snape.
0: And I kind of liked it. I, I kind of liked that they. Are. Crouching over the trapdoor, Trying to move his paw. And then all of a sudden they're like wait. Um, I don't hear anything <laughs> anymore. And then Fluffy is. Sneaks on top of them. And the slobber which is the com- comedic relief. With Ron. That we actually see throughout the films. Um, but um and then they all hop into the trap door. And so I I kind of like that version um but I'm interested to see what the show will do and if they will stick with the whole flute thing or not. Uh I think they both work well. Yeah,
2: I I agree that I didn't I don't hate it. I do remember when I first saw it. First saw that they didn't have the flute, they were doing the harp And then all of a sudden the music stops and the dogs are. And I remember when I watched this, when I was that age and I was just like, (sighs) like they did that to make it like a more dramatic thing. And I was kind of like rolling my eyes about it. Um, But I don't think that they did a bad job. I think that it works well for the movie. I think that it's like, it doesn't feel like a stretch kind of thing. I think it like fits really well with what they were doing. I would not be disappointed, though, if they kept it closer to the book um, and did that for the show. I do really want to see Harry and Hermione trying to play the flute, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially wow. one that Hagrid made. I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah. If you did you notice um, when they go to Hagrid, he is playing a flute? Yeah. And it does look like it's handmade yeah. like, uh, of wood or something. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, again, more like character and world building because Hagrid
2: is he's looked at by a lot of people who look down on, you know, like people like the Malfoys who are all about, you know, pure bloods and all of that. And Hagrid is looked at and called an oaf and he's looked at as stupid and he's looked at as not being worthy. But he does so much, first of all, for Hogwarts and for the professors and whatever. And he's clumsy and everything, but... He has so many talents and something like that, like being able to whittle like a beautifully carved flute, like not many people can do things like that. And so I think that the more of those details that that show up in the show, as they did in the in the books, because when you're reading the books, you know that hagrid is very worthy and there's like a lot Mm -hmm. more to him than people who don't pay attention to him they like don't see that they just see his like big clumsy side um and so i I love that the books in general jk rowling does a really good job of this with all sorts of creatures and all sorts of people that are involved that's like one of the biggest themes Mm -hmm. in the books is how how valuable and important every person or creature Mm -hmm. actually is and um so, it's not that the the films made Haggard out to be not a worthy character; they definitely did not do that, but I think that even something simple like this, like him carving a flute yeah it it means a lot more than just that one act.
1: i gotta say the first time i uh saw the flute was in a it was in the sorcerer's Stone video game. Because I guess it just didn't click in my head that the flute existed in the book when it was being read to me for the first time. Because my parents read the Sorcerer's Stone to me first before I was like old enough to even try and read it myself. But like I played the video game on the PC, and and in one of the stages to get past uh, to move to get to the Sorcerer's Stone is you have to put Fluffy to sleep, and it's with the flute that Hagrid gave you, and you have to like try and press a couple of certain buttons while you're running around trying to dodge the heads that are going (laughs) to eat you playing the flute. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But then I like watched the movie and was like, why doesn't it do that at all? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just, I I find it interesting. I go back and I like recognize that the, like the games were a little bit more book accurate than the movies were. And And it's just interesting how different mediums approach the same story uh, differently and all that
0: yeah megs you mentioned that um the scene was more dramatic than the um, books and that is something i had written down for two other mm-hmm. challenges <laughs> um the first of which is the next challenge which is uh gosh the name is escaping me what is the name of the plant Devil's snare Thank you, devil's the devil's snare. snare. Um, this was changed again a little bit. Um, the way Hermione kind of saves the day, and again, I thought it was just a little bit more dramatic. Uh, but what did you feel about the change, or did you notice?
1: <laughs> I mean, I didn't really. I don't think. I, th- I don't think I noticed. Probably it's it's approached differently. But I didn't necessarily feel like one or the other was more dramatic than the other. But, again, that's probably just me not noticing that. But I, <clears throat> I did notice that the book version played a little bit more on Hermione's emotions, whereas in the movie she was a little bit more common collected. Like, Ron basically just calls her out and says, are you have you forgotten that you're a witch and that you can just make fire appear out of nowhere? And she's like, Oh yeah, right. Because she's trying to, she, she knows the problem. She's trying to solve the problem. But in the heat of the moment, she's so flustered that she's like, I don't have wood to like make a fire. And Ron just basically yells at her going like, what the heck are you doing? You're a witch. Use magic. And, that felt a little bit more dramatic that part, but that's just because it's playing on Hermione's uh, Hermione's practical execution of the knowledge rather than academical, which is like what she's really good at. Whereas in the movie, she was like, "Calm down, guys, stop freaking out," and then like easily took care of the devil Snare, like if it was just like another one of her exams
0: and Ron is actually freaking out which is I think is why I put the dramatic on this portion because he's this whole section wasn't there they were all getting you know wrapped up in the vines and they were like it's fire um as opposed to sunlight, and um that's when she brings up the whole wood but they're all Not that they're all calm because she is freaking out like, oh, but we don't have wood. And that's when Ron is like, are you a witch or not? Um, But they kind of reversed that in the movie and took the kind of freaking out and gave it to Ron instead of Hermione. Which I think takes away from her well-roundedness and how they balance each other out. Yeah I'm, I definitely noticed the difference in
2: this scene and I rolled my eyes super hard the first time I saw this film because they did they like it's interesting because they made it really dramatic it's like I could tell like how they were dramatizing certain parts of this scene to like make a movie and I'm like the book right. is fine just keep it with the the book Um but it is interesting because when you read the book, Ron bellowed at Hermione, have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? And so it it is interesting how like there are actually dramatic parts, I suppose, in this scene in the book. It's just it looks different in the movie, but also in the movie, the plant is very different than I had imagined. Um, and her Hermione's using lumosolem, which is apparently a... A spell and then she rather than using the flames to that she put into the jar you know to get the devil snare to go away and i know they did that because it's more you know more cgi dramatic. and more like <laughs> so it's like they, they dramatize certain bits of it for the purpose of what of what would look better on a film
0: you know right so maybe i should say
2: visual yeah. dramatic but Instead I did of just it. Yeah. And so like, I know what they were doing, but I didn't like what they did really. I think I, it was, fine. Fine. I agree. Yes. I, I agree fine. with that. And I feel like right. for the purpose of a film, I can totally understand why they did the things they did. However, I don't like it. <laughs> 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 um, but I am curious what you two, and then I'm going to post this for the listeners. How did you two envision what the devil's snare looked like?
1: I always uh, well, I mean having just read it a little while ago. I always imagined it was just vines on the wall and like on the on the floor and there was just like one portion that was leading to the next room which is where Hermione had positioned herself and just Harry and Ron were just slowly getting enveloped in, in vines without them like realizing it until she points it out. But yeah. I imagine like an entire room just full of vines and damp and wet and
0: so I kind of envision not as dark and scary and creepy but the upside down from Stranger Things how that like vine stuff is just everywhere and it's moving and it's got like a mind of its own that's kind of how I envision Devil's Snare but green like not lime green but Bright, vibrant, plant green. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I'm the always... movies
1: was too th- like the movie was too thick for me. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I always envisioned mm-hmm. the Devil Snare being thinner, viney type scenario.
2: See, I always thought it was like a literal potted plant because well, it's in the fifth book, yeah, well, yeah, but because. In the books, when I was reading about how, like, Hermione got out of it, like, she, in my mind, they were, like, in a room where she was, like, able to be separated from the plant, but, like, still at the same level as them. Like, she was going towards the wall, and then Harry and Ron were still in there. So I always thought it was a plant, like a potted plant, but a really big one, obviously, And then when I saw the movie and saw that it was like the whole, like the whole floor was that and they fell through it to go to a floor below. I was like, Whoa. And it was really interesting because I remember being that young and you know, when you're, I was nine when this came out. And so I, when you're that age, you just sort of assume that like what's in your head is what's happening. And so then when I saw a completely different version of the plant I was like, whoa, people have different imaginations. Like somebody thought of like, you know, like a whole different thing. And um, so I remember being like, oh, I can totally see how that would make sense to somebody else, even though this other thing in my head is what like, that's like the only thing that made sense to me at the time. And so anyways, I'm always really curious about what people envision devil's snare, because I feel like everybody has something different in their head.
1: Well, well, and I always envisioned it different, like, envisioned it the way that I did because they land on something soft. And so, like, I always just envisioned that it was just a room full of of the devil's snare because they land on it first because that's the cushion. Because of how um, far, how far they fell.
0: So we will post this on our Instagram and to our Facebook, but I'm going to show you guys the illustrated version. I'm sure you've seen this migs because you read this one um but i feel like this kind of encapsulates what james and i said really well this illustrated Mm -hmm. of the devil snare um that's exactly the color that i was thinking Mm that devil snare would be i love it and it looks like it's like thin vines like Mm -hmm. you were talking about james (laughs) yep Well, moving on from the Devil's Snare and on to our next challenge, which was Winged Keys. Um, this one I didn't really have any problems with. What about you guys?
1: I really think this was one of those moments where they made a choice and went with it and it paid off. Because uh, it was. I read through it in the book and I was just like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i love how they use harry and ron and her like and hermione together to get the key like ron and hermione yeah. were flying on the broom and they got a chance to participate but i i really in like i really enjoy more harry going in and flying after the keys on the keys like flying after him because i really feel like that was more of a challenge compared to oh, you just have to hop on a broom and fly really fast to catch this thing, and then boom, that's the challenge. Like Killer key flies, thingies, sounds a lot more challenging than just that. You know what I mean? So I feel like they made a really good choice in, in showing a, the difficulty of the task, how they completed the task, and then just uh, being able to move on uh, move on from that. I really think the movie did... Uh, did a good job in saying let's do it this way uh, to be able to kind of put a little bit more of the tension in it compared to how the book portrayed it, which it's fine. Uh, it it shows them working together and has a different way of being able to like approach the situation. But I always felt like it wasn't ch- like like really Flitwick. That was all you could do. Like, because this is Flickwick's challenge. Like, he's the one that chimed the keys and and gave them wings and stuff. Like, like that's all you could do, Flickwick. Like, I'm,
0: I'm and so I disappointed. almost wish, or I, I feel like the keys probably should have been McGonagall's with transfiguration somehow, transforming, you know, the keys into some sort of bird, and then the charms. Would be our next task, which would be the chessmen, the chessmen, because she's. They say that McGonagall is the one that transformed the chessmen to be alive, but I don't think that really makes sense because transfiguration is turning one thing to another, and this one feels like it's more of a charm to make the chess pieces move.
1: Yes, but uh, they made the they. Someone made the comment that McGonagall was a chess player meaning that she she's like very strategic and stuff like that and i would imagine she transformed the pieces into bigger pieces like these were huge like these were a huge chess piece type scenario Mm -hmm. so i would imagine she's the one responsible for just transforming them into life-size objects that can interact with the players on the board
0: that's fair i still don't Think I consider that transfiguration as much as a, again like a charm. I, I mean, I, unless you're saying it, just enlarging is a transformation, which I guess it is. I'm um, on. I don't know if I'm gonna find it by the time that we're done recording, but I'm on the
2: transfiguration page of the Harry Potter Wiki fandom to see if there's any information. Um, evidence on here about transfiguration bringing things. Does it to at least
0: have like a definition of what transfiguration is?
2: Transfiguration was a branch of magic that focused on the alteration of the form or appearance of an object, animal, or person via the alteration of their molecular structure. Transfiguration could be done to most, if not all, objects, and as with most forms of magic, it included but was hardly limited to transfiguration spells. So. Okay leave it kind of open yeah i they say that first part again transfiguration was a branch of magic that focused on the alteration of the form or appearance of an object animal or person via the alteration of their molecular structure
0: yeah alteration of appearance would be enlargement so fine you guys win Oh, I guess ten yeah. points
2: to Ravenclaw. You know what? I didn't even think about that. How it's just enlarged. Well, okay, this sounds really, really dumb and obvious. So please bear with me. I didn't really think about the fact that the smaller ones, the small, the regular size chess pieces, she could have just done a engorgio. Yeah, spell. that's right. I, yeah, I kind of thought that they were like these chess pieces were like specially created to. Be like, not evil, but more like violent. Yeah, but that's to so prevent funny. somebody from it,
1: getting the stone. It yeah. would be it more violent more to.
2: Yeah, in my head. Um, well, okay. Am I totally misremembering something, or is there something about how the chess pieces were nice, like at the end of the book? Did we find out something about that, or is that like a dream that I had? Because <laughs> it very well could have at been the end of the dream. book. Or th- about uh, the scene. The end of the book. I feel like I had a dream about this.
0: Maybe you had a dream. I think I, had
2: I have vivid <laughs> dreams and I have like five of them every night. So I honestly probably just had a dream about this. So never mind.
0: Um, well, we lose one of the trio um, with this task. Uh, Ron sacrifices himself. And we also get in the film our first cut. So – Harry and Harry and Hermione well Harry is like, no, he's fine. Let's go. <laughs> did, did you guys use that? In this, this
1: well, I think it was because they didn't want anybody to like stop them. They won the chess match. They needed to hurry like the there was urgency. He he sure. kind of knew they needed to go forward. And it would probably be it probably would have been disrespectful to Ron's sacrifice to just go, oh, we need to check on Ron yeah. when they know the urgency of the situation is you need to stop Snape from getting the stone. Right. So I think that it, that it has part of that to be doing it, but also at the same time, like, oh, my gosh, your friend is possibly dead and you didn't even check to see if he was, like, breathing. Like,
0: Right, which is why I like that they had this moment with ron's unconscious body (laughs) but on the flip side we lose they okay so we this is two tasks in a row that are cut from the films so we lose just climbing over a troll no big deal that's fine but ron just made his sacrifice and his big play and then in the book hermione gets to do her big play with these potions and this problem solving but they cut that which i guess they sort of gave to her with the devil snare in the film but i really was bummed when i saw that this potions task was cut because i thought that was such it was so fun to try to figure out right the riddle
2: Mm -hmm. i think this is i mean hermione has lots of opportunities to like be a know-it-all whatever but that's like throughout schoolwork. but when it comes to like actual like on the ground fighting which you could consider all of this to be that it was so important that like you know jk rowling wrote it in such a way where harry obviously is going to have the big thing at the end but ron got his chance and hermione got her chance and obviously she like created those situations that happened to just fit both of their like um the activities that they both happen to be the best at you know like chess right Right. but still we miss in the film like we just miss that whole opportunity for Hermione to be able to showcase that she can be useful on in an on the ground situation because she at least has a a logical brain where she's able to like and usually when she's we don't see much of it in this book except for the devil snare part when she like forgets that she can just make flames or do that crazy spell that they invented for the film like you know we see that she she tends to lose her head when it like comes down to some type of battleground and then we see that a lot more throughout the rest of this you know the the series the storyline um and it's so rare that when hermione's like actually in action that she's able to like keep a cool head and she's able to be the one because usually she's like so calm and cool when it comes to schoolwork but then When it's an on-the-ground battle, then she kind of freaks out. But then Harry's really good. He's not as good at school, but he's really good at, like, keeping his cool during a battle. Anyways, so it's really important that, you know, we get those opportunities from Hermione when it's, like, she has to, like, literally, like, their lives might be on the line. And she's able to keep head cool for this scene, and then it gets cut. I know.
0: Yeah, it was a bummer. Agreed. Um... The chess match, just going back, was the uh, second time I wrote dramatic because uh, an I'll be right.
1: which I would say was very well worth it because it, it was uh, like that's the kind of stuff that you want to see. Like you're imagining all that yeah. as you're reading it, but then getting to actually see it play out is really cool. So yeah. I think that was well worth the dra- the drama t- dramatization. Yes, there you
0: go. yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, and it will be. I mean, that scene in particular was such good CGI. Yeah. So to see what that's going to look like now is just going to be really fabulous. Yes, I. Agree. I
1: also just realized, though, the reason why the chess pieces are transfigured is because they are brought to life. Also. Like,
0: Wizard's Chest is, they they move and they attack. Yeah, each but other that's too. what makes
1: Wizard's Chest Wizard's Chest is that it's a transfiguration. They're, they're taking an object and bringing mm. it to life. Mm.
0: They're all transfigured. So are you think all even just, uh, pieces transfigured? Yes. You think they just take muggle chests and transfigure them?
1: Mm, probably. Or they like make chest sets and then use a transfiguration spell to bring it to life. Uh, it's the same thing with the paintings, I believe. I believe paintings are a a example of transfiguration because you're taking a painting and bringing it to life.
2: But do they interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We're bringing up such good points Um, about this, about the dramatic chess scene. I agree with you, James, that for the purposes of making a movie, I think they did a fantastic job for this scene and it made it really exciting and dramatic and intense But I still rolled my eyes the whole time the first time that I saw it because I was like, they just like made it so dramatic. And I was like, I thought the books were fine, but I still don't um, dislike how it was done. I just have to like pretend like it's not an adaptation basically. Yeah. Because I like the book version. Too.
1: I wanted more out of it. Like I I liked what we I got from the movie, but I wanted more. There was just times where we were like you hear Ron say, Knight to F three and like you see a piece explode. But I like wanted to see more of like that the movements and like the chess pieces taking each other out or like fighting and dueling and stuff. I wanted a little bit more. So hopefully the T V show will give me that opportunity to have an actual chess game play out.
0: Yeah. I would really like to see a lot more from all of these challenges in the show. Um, Because, you know, uh, like I said at the top, that this portion is a long portion already. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, you know, and they cut so much. So there's like no reason that this can't be an hour long episode and really go into depth of each task and not cut. The potions. (laughs) I do agree. I think that
2: that was not a good idea to cut that out. You Gotta
1: give Hermione her moment.
2: Even if it's not Hermione, even though I just went on about Hermione's moment for like five hours. But even without that, it's still... Why would they take that out? Like that Snape is one of the main professors. And so to like just remove that, you know. Oh my gosh, you're right.
0: Like it's it's just strange that they did not even think about that part. Mm. And I mean, why did why did they take out the potions and not Devil Snare? Like I get they had to land on something, but the trapdoor could have been like a slide down towards the um... They're gonna cut peeves from the film that could have
2: made the trapdoor slide. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs>
0: well any other thoughts or Meeg's fire round oh of course i
2: have a lightning round but lightning i want to see i want to make sure that everybody else has their it says anything i else. did i did oh, have, i, do. <laughs> Go I ahead, did James. have
1: one thought and that i i'm i'm sad i didn't talk about it before at the beginning but i i loved and laughed at pretty loudly uh, when I read about McGonagall finding the boys at front of the third floor corridor oh, and yeah. <laughs> just just getting so angry, like, "How dare you!" I told you not to worry about this. She just, just like starts threatening to take away points. Yes, Weasley, from my own house, and I just was like, "Yes, I need more of this. I need McGonagall being fuming mad." I just, I, I think that would be hilarious.
0: I have a question for Karen, our British correspondent, and that is the name of the chess pieces in the book and in the film. Ron refers to the castle piece, which is a rook. So is that not the term of the castle piece in 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 Britain or um, is that just kind of like little kids not wanting to say? rook. Because I remember as a kid, I also called it the castle piece and not a rook. Why didn't you call uh, it a rook? Because I was a kid, I didn't know the name rook. I just called it the castle
2: I think piece. that... I'm trying to remember. I was I was not really a chess player. Um But I think that I called it a rook. And I might have... Wait, wait you're, you're also
0: a Ravenclaw and I'm a Hufflepuff, so...
2: Right. I'm wondering if... I mean, honestly, <laughs> a lot of my um knowledge about the world comes from Harry Potter, and so...
1: <laughs> i actually do think that the english call the rooks castles and the the americans call the castles rooks Interesting. i, well, I think I'm it is a big difference hear. but karen please confirm if that's even true or if i'm just like you know full of it
2: hashtag karen please confirm karen confirmation
1: i do feel like that was I, I do feel like that was a piece of knowledge i had learned and i was like oh that's cool they say it differently
2: a chess piece of knowledge? Yes. Wordplay.
1: Lightning round, go!
2: Um, okay. Uh, I want to see the class... In general, I want to see the classrooms being really hot. Because I feel like that comes up in every book multiple times where the trio was, like, complaining about the classrooms being really hot. And I think that that Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they don't have AC, do they? Right. And that was going to be my next question is... And I'm posing this to the listeners what do we think the ac situation is obviously they don't have electricity in the harry potter world <laughs> but do they have like magical fans or magical
0: like air conditioning or something i would imagine you know? fans yeah some sort of rotating magical fan for the summertime but that doesn't always you know create cooler air it just circulates it. Um but they have they've got the fireplaces. They talk about fireplaces all the time. So right. we understand how they heat the place in the right. winter. Right. And you know, they're always bundled up in their scars and their robes. Right. But yeah, I am at I I am interested to see and I know what that our listeners think about the, the AC UK situation. Is not
2: known for having excellent AC because every time it's over like eighty degrees there it's like the whole place falls apart. And so Or what would that be? Like 30 degrees? No. Yeah. Like 28 degrees, I believe is 82 degrees. So anyways, I'm just really curious about what the the um, airflow situation is like in that castle but it comes up mm. all the time in the book so i want to see like funny little moments of the kids like being in class and being really hot or like complaining about it or something
1: maybe maybe they stand around ghosts all the time because Ooh, the
2: ghosts are to cool cold down. To the touch. or just like go like walk through the ghosts to be plunged into icy icy yeah. water oh,
0: yeah don't they? is is that another sto- story or is it in harry potter where they walk through a ghost and they get cold i know it's in harry potter it is in Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, because there's a ghost that like goes through Harry, and he explains like how it's cold. Okay.
0: Um,
2: I also want to see. It might
1: have been in this book.
2: It probably was. I feel like it comes up a couple times. Um. I want to see Ron getting ill about um, homework and exams and stuff. So a quote that I highlighted was Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterward. But Ron said this made him feel ill. So they wandered down to the lake and flopped under a tree. And then um, when Harry started to get worked up about um, thinking about the Sorcerer's Stone, Ron couldn't get worked up. It was too hot. Like, (laughs) I just love him. Like, he's like so dramatic about everything. And uh, I want to see more of ron's like little petty drama um the weasley twins and lee jordan were tickling the tentacles of the giant squid which was basking in the warm shallows i really really don't like how much the weasley twins are cut out how much lee jordan
0: is cut out and yeah the giant squid is cut out
2: and never ever seen never seen
0: even even in the fourth ta- or the third no sorry even in the fourth yes. book the second task right like they're in the Great Lake and there's no squid yeah well and when Her- um Dumbledore is like just going with
2: that in that in the second task afterwards when Dumbledore is talking to the mayor people like, I know oh.
0: listen there <laughs> I have a lot of problems about the fourth book adaptation and we will get to it <laughs>
1: oh boy yes
0: um okay when we touched on this a little
2: bit when they're when they go to mcgonagall and it's like the flat conversation and they want to go to dumbledore first where's dumbledore's office they looked around as if hoping to see a sign pointing them in the right direction they had never been told where dumbledore lived like that to me that's just a really funny concept for them to just stop and be like where does he live because
0: it's so true right. like you don't like where do any of them especially (laughs) because we end up going to dumbledore's office plenty of times in the later books so it's nice to see like this is the start of um not even the start but uh, you know it's like metaphysical um, we don't know yeah yeah where they're like thinking about like oh what is is because it's something
1: that they've never had to think about before until now and they're just like where they need him the most and they're all of a sudden like wait a second like where do we even find him
2: i really (sighs) really really want a side story of the professors and just their life because (laughs) i mean to think about like mcgonagall outside of being a professor like not even like away from hogwarts that would be cool too that would be super interesting because we don't really know much about her her or like going life. to the hogsmeade yes and just like the yeah. teachers just like sitting around a table being like oh my god like the kids was it today. us
0: or did i read this on reddit or something or did we talk about this where even if it's not a sideshow show. Just having so the books are from Harry's perspective. Mm -hmm. So we never really get much until you know two chapters in later books, but of it's all from his eyes. And I would really like to see the show go a little further and see, Mm -hmm. you know, some other stuff going on and seeing it from other people's perspectives. Mostly from Harry's perspective, but and not giving anything away, but like you're saying, just some day-to-day stuff and the teachers, like what they're doing behind well not behind doors, but (laughs) out of class (laughs) yes
2: no we need to see it i mean i I, it would just be so much fun to see something like that so um and then when ron is making fun of hermione telling her that she needs to pretend like she's waiting for miss mr mr Mr. professor flitwick and saying i'm so worried i think i got question 14b wrong on an exam just there are so many times throughout the stories where ron kind of like quips about hermione being like so over worried Mm -hmm. about school and i just think it's really funny and 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 all of that banter really makes their relationship um their romantic Mm -hmm. relationship mean a lot more so when they take it out it's just kind of like okay um and hermione saying flitwick told me in secret that i got 112 percent on his exam they're not throwing me out after that i feel (laughs) like when i was young and i read that i was like oh my god like yeah, Hermione. But now reading that, I'm like, okay, girl, just because you did really well on an exam does not mean that you are not going to be expelled for going past a three-headed dog and going down and going through all of these enchantments to try to stop Voldemort. Like, They're not going to be like, oh, wait a second, you did really well on an exam. So I feel like looking at some of these things from adult eyes. um, I have a different... I think it's
0: more like she has Flitwick in the palm of her hand (laughs) and Flitwick would go to bat for her as opposed to like all of the professors are like, oh, you're so smart. We can't. It's you." (laughs) That's true. Um,
2: I just feel like it's like young kid logic. Um, Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's I'm just trying to give a little more. That
1: definitely was kid logic, yeah. It's
2: cute though. It's all cute. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. Oh, and then I I made a note about the flute, which we already talked about. Haggard making Harry the flute. Um, and okay, Peeves. We haven't talked about Peeves being cut out from this chapter. So Peeves yeah. is loosening the carpet, which is hilarious. Like, I definitely want to see whatever that is. Um, and when he says goalie or ghosty or wee student beastie, I remember loving that line when I was little when he, when they're walking uh, with the uh, under the invisibility cloak, so he can't see them, but he knows that they're walking by and he's asking who it is. Um, Okay. I'm getting blank looks from both of you. Okay. Well, I love that line.
1: (laughs) No, I think that was really good. Um, I'm just, I'm just blank in general. I, my um, my emotions don't show very easily, um, but I really do like that line. I really didn't
2: think meet anyone else that's in- a
1: great thing with Peeves.
2: It's so cute. Um, They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the staircase up to the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Who's there? He said suddenly as they climbed toward him. He narrowed his wicked black eyes. No,
0: you're there even if I can't see you. Are you goalier, or ghostier, or wee student beastie? So I was trying to process. That's why I was giving you a black <laughs> A blank look because I I I do hate that they cut Peeves. Of course, our mascot, but I also like. I just think it's so silly that Harry impersonates
1: the Bloody Baron. Bloody
0: Baron. Yeah, I love that part. Okay, <laughs> I, I I
1: think it's hilarious. I I just I, feel like I, how it's this interesting is, how Harry knows how the Bloody an Baron. Eleven-year-old boy. Like.
0: Well, sound like the bloody baron
2: okay i don't think that he sounds like it so i don't think that it's very realistic but i did write down harry's quick thinking of being an 11 year old kid thinking about like wait a second peeves is afraid of the bloody baron that's the only one that he respects and so like his quick thinking to get him to try to impersonate him but you're right baby dan does not
0: sound like a bloody, <laughs> baron. A, bloody a bloody baron
1: you guys wanna hear my peeves voice?
0: Yes, of sure. course. <clears throat> <laughs> Who's
1: there? Now you're there, even if I can't see you Are you ghouly or ghosty or wee student beastie? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: my kids love that. Voice. James, I, I was just about slurs.
0: to say, your kids must love reading story time.
2: <laughs> yes. Okay.
0: Um.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. I really don't like that Hermione is wearing
0: tights to
2: go down the trapdoor to fight off. Oh my
0: gosh! You're talking oh. about in the film, right? Because I noticed yes. that too. <laughs> I was like, okay, girl, white tights. To go in a skirt. A like, of- she doesn't have pants. Like, I know in the later movies, they wear parents and stuff. But really, like, you know what you're going to do. What? And you're going to wear a skirt. It makes me think. How rampant is the, like, the double standard
2: sexism that's going on in this school? Because for the first two films, the none of the girls wear anything other than tights and skirts. So do they genuinely, like, not have pants that they're allowed to well, wear? Well, and I get
0: that it's a school uniform, but... It, and, and this was the 90s, so it's a much different <laughs> climate. But um, I'm just. Yeah, do they not have like chill clothes yeah. to bring on the weekends right. or whatever?
1: <laughs> like, do they have to wear their robes the entire time they're at Hogwarts?
0: Their dressing gowns, you mean?
2: Oh, their wizard's robes. Their wizard robes. I was thinking of their bath robes, which are now we know dressing gowns. But I, <laughs> before I get too mad at Hermione for dressing like that, I'm like, well. Is that her only option? That has to be her only option because she is too logical to wear white tights and a skirt
0: to go down a trapdoor. Well, book Hermione is too logical, but movie Hermione had no choice. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Movie Hermione had no choice. I love that. I'm going to need to reread the chapter and see if there's any sort of description of what they're wearing. Because I, I noticed that, too. I was I, like, yeah, what is she wearing? Like, I, I do not. Like I mean, they're,
2: I'm looking at the book right now, and I don't see – I mean, there's nothing. It's just, like, them in the common room, and then we better put the invisibility cloak on. Like, I don't see anything about their garments. And it's just
0: oh, – oh, Let it's me really see how they illustrated it. <laughs> the tangents we go on
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, i know this is a pretty long tangent
0: i know well sorry
2: everybody okay so uh, still really don't like that they can just use a lohamora to unlock the door to the third floor corridor where fluffy is mm-hmm. i think that's very very
0: irresponsible um, well i mean oh i mean do you think it's irresponsible because any kid can use a lohamora and get in there or are you think it's not safe enough to guide to guard the stone uh no not the stone but just a fluffy
2: i mean that's ridiculous you yeah, think okay. anyone could just use a little more are you kidding me you have a bunch of 11 year old kids running around and any of them can learn how to unlock a door and then just like not all of them are as smart as this trio um luma solemn in the film but not in the book not loving that i mean it's fine it's fine but i just feel like you know We're inventing stuff, you know, for the film. So I'm curious what they're going to do with the book or with the TV show at that point. Um, Love that Harry and Ron or Rupert and Dan's voices start cracking at the end of the, like, towards the last couple scenes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Ron's voice Mm -hmm. cracks when he is falling through Devil's Snare. And you can tell his voice is, like, deepening a little bit towards that end. And then, like, I think it's, like, halfway through-ish this scene that we just watched Uh, um, Daniel Radcliffe's voice starts cracking a little bit like deepening a little bit Mm -hmm. and then in the next film Ron's voice changed I think very noticeably from the first film Um, and I mean it makes sense because they're like 12, 13-ish when they're filming these and so they're like at that age where they're hitting puberty but I just every time I watch it I just like I think it's so cute how you can like hear their voices changing um Anybody else notice that? Just me. Um, I, know me. All right. I it every nope. single time. I okay. did not. <laughs> um,
1: this is and- why it's Meeg's lightning right I know,
2: right? Sorry, everybody <laughs> just has to sit here and listen to me. I'm so close to being done. I want to see a map of Hogwarts, just in general. I mean, I know we get like little snippets of that, but I want to see a map that specifically shows the third floor corridor and then a trapdoor and how far that drop is to the devil's snare because that's the 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 light to the top of the trapdoor is the size of a postage stamp which that's a really long drop which means that's a really big like cavernous space so that's just like underneath the third floor corridor or does it kind of transport you to like a different area of the yeah, castle you
0: her her rules of magic are a tad all over the place right. so, so I'm just like curious there. if there is
2: if she ever did any type of like
0: drawing of it um it would be interesting yeah we do get a map mm-hmm. in beer three uh, although I don't know that we'll get this particular right. shot
2: right um okay my last thing that I have written down is I really want to see Ron speeding on the broomstick in the book and almost <sighs> crashing into the ceiling yeah <laughs> <sighs> That's it. Thanks for listening.
1: Lightning round. Thanks Bam. for lightning. We
2: should
1: we should All do right. we should get like a sound effect and have it like go.
0: Oh yes, we should <laughs> do that. Um. Well, that means it's time for Peeves' pleasure, James.
1: My Peeves' pleasure was the chess scene. Flat out, done, bam. Mm -hmm. I've already talked about it, so I don't need to go into more detail, but love Mm -hmm. it. Want more? Yep. Need more? Uh, (laughs) I better get like a good, I don't know. I just want like a good like 20 minute, like, section of it oh my gosh
0: 20 minutes might be a little too long james <laughs> <laughs> but, but i, I than know the but chart. that's what
1: i want obviously like okay i'm not probably going to get it it's probably not going to be that long but that's what i want that because just how much i love it but
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. meeks uh, my pleasure is the kids um the actors did such a good job being all flustered when they finally connect that missing piece for the um uh, for the Sorcerer Stone and Fluffy and putting him to sleep and all that and they like go to McGonagall and they're like super flustered and they're just like we have to get down there tonight you know I think that they did such a good cute job acting mm-hmm. that out um, I also think the CGI is fantastic um, in this movie well the movie in general I think does a great job especially for yeah. 2001 um, and Ron taking charge for
0: chess I think is really 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 cute mm-hmm i'm so glad that we didn't talk about this because i thought it was so funny but my peeve's pleasure is neville's pajamas <laughs> did you guys see his pajamas the stripy blue pajamas no in the movie there's teddy bears on his pajamas Ooh, you're yep. right there's teddy
1: bears <laughs> on his pajamas
0: And I just thought that's just so (laughs) Neville. Poor (laughs) (laughs) Neville. All right, James, what was your peeves peeve?
1: Oh, from the movie. Uh, I don't know. I really liked the entire section of the movie. Like, adaptation wise, I really think they did a really good job Mm -hmm. in this section and that's probably because it's the climax and we're building up to like the final showdown um and they knew like how important this like was to to the story and so i think they really did a good job of adding in what they needed to add and of course they could have added more obviously but i don't think they did anything wrong other than the fact that they cut out the potions part Mm-hmm. Uh, for hermione so i mean that's probably uh, like i'm in the middle it like it didn't bother me probably because i didn't like recognize it at first when i was younger but as i got older i recognized it because it's like it's in the video game and so mm-hmm. i first encounter i first encountered it in the video game before like i read the book for the first time by by myself uh reading through it and i was just like oh this was this was in the story i didn't even know like at first i thought it was just like an additional thing in the video game to make the video game a little bit more long but Mm -hmm. when i read the sorcerer's stone on my own and i read that part again i was like oh it's actually part of the book and so it's just like when i first watched it i never really realized that we were missing anything
0: Means. My peeve
2: is, uh, well, missing the potions, of course, in the movie. But just in general, the book actually, I know that it's supposed to be like about the adaptation, but the book misses a bunch of professors protections, but like potential protections. And so I always feel like that's, I mean, I know that a lot of the other professors aren't main characters, but it does seem strange. Like there's a lot of other professors. And so it's right. I don't know. I think like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. arithmetic would have been. And a I mean, great just all of them. Like divination. Challenge. I don't know what that challenge would look like, but they could definitely do something with it. And so I feel, you know, it's like I get it. The heavy hitters are the ones who are involved with this, but I think it'd be yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, it's like it's the main teachers, not not just main yeah. character teachers, but because they mm-hmm. don't even go into these side. Classes yeah. yet, it's like the yeah, the, and that's um, the only ones that we've core, seen so far. The gen, the like gen the eds <laughs> trio has
2: seen so far, so I get it, but <laughs> it's just a little peeve of mine. My-
1: and mm-hmm. I don't think <laughs> they had to do care of magical creatures <laughs> because Hagrid fluffy? provided Fluffy.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, my peeve, peas I also really hated that they cut the the potions, but um, <laughs> this is a super nitpicky. Thing, but I couldn't help thinking of it, um, and i I just wish it was in a different location because the line. What are you guys doing inside? People will think you're up to something. <laughs> they're not really inside. They are in a in a corridor, but there's giant windows, and it's not inside. And they're right next to the courtyard, and it's like they're not inside. Like sure, there's two walls on either side of them. If you can call that one wall a wall because it's straight up windows. Mm. You can hear birds chirping, the sun is shining. Right. <laughs> they are not yes. outside. <laughs> I mean, they are outside. They are not inside. <laughs> so that was just a little a peeve of mine on the just uh, location like why why wouldn't they just put them inside mm-hmm. like they were just inside yeah. McGonagall's classroom so like, yeah. just a tiny little peep alright it's time for our Weasley salute James
1: alrighty uh, this go around my Weasley salute is going to be um, the part where Hermione um uh, the Hermione's kind of like struggling in the moment, uh, with her with the Devil Snare and stuff, and like Ron coming in because I feel like that's a true like look at their relationship, uh, at, in a whole uh, as a trio. Because I really feel like mm-hmm. I really feel like that embodies their true characters, and I I really want that. To be more prominent going going forward into this new adaptation because i really want them to be able to kind of just see see these flaws and have uh have these moments where they're overcoming the flaws and all that stuff because hermione's flaw from the very beginning was like yeah academically she does really well but when you put her into a practical situation under pressure she if she doesn't have that support, she buckles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the support obviously is Ron and Harry. Uh, Because if she was not, if she didn't have Ron or Harry there, she probably would have not been able to have the, the ability to logistically say, Oh, I'm a witch. Yeah. I can just do this because she, she's feeling that pressure inside of her. And we get to see that a little bit more as we grow, because that's one of her, that's one of the things that she's having to overcome in these books is the is the fact that she can she can do this stuff well under pressure as well. So having Ron to be able to just be the one to go in and say like you're a witch like use magic like you got this uh, and ha- it is kind of a showing of how much. Uh, they they're they're a support to each other because who else would have done that? Harry's choking; <laughs> he, yeah. he's he's barely grasping for air. He's not going to be able to to have the ability to do that. But like anybody else, probably wouldn't have told Hermione because of how bossy she is uh, to everybody. No one else probably would have had the audacity to go yelling at her and being like, "Hey, get it together." Only Ron would have been able to do that, which is one of his mm-hmm. qualities. Ron is very straightforward, which is something that we've talked about in the past. Is like, what does Ron bring to the table, mm-hmm. to the trio? Ron doesn't cut the crap. <laughs> he, he doesn't cut corners. He doesn't like try to tiptoe around people. He just goes, says it how it is. And I think that having that ability of saying, oi, get it together in the moments that Harry and Hermione need it the most is crucial for their, their development. And I think that needs to be Yeah. About how
2: Ron, Ron is the one to say stuff like that to Hermione and to make that impact. And that it's, it is just a really great point for leading into the rest of their relationship.
1: And not just Hermione, but Harry also, like Mm -hmm. he does it to Harry a couple of times too. Like, Hey.
2: Yeah, it's true
1: stop overthinking this and just do it Um, Mm -hmm.
2: my salute is uh harry's confidence that he gets with like knowing what he needs to do knowing that um you know he he needs to be brave and go and fight voldemort and so even though he's only 11 and you know he it's like misplaced who he thinks that he needs to be against because you know because of snape first quarrel, like all of that but Like his confidence and just knowing like, no, this is this is the right thing to do is to go do you like, I mean, the way that he's talking about it, he's just like, even if I get killed, and he's not doing it like, oh, poor me. He's just saying like, genuinely, like, no, I somebody needs to stop him. And if I'm going to be the one to stand up to Voldemort and to try to stop him from getting that stone, meaning that he'll come back. To life for good like I'm gonna go do whatever I need to do I don't care if the professors are telling me it's dangerous and I'm not supposed to do it like I'm gonna go do what I know that needs to be done and so I just love um even though it's kid logic but I just love seeing that that confidence in him because it really like kind of sets the stage for his character for the whole rest of the series and then my other salute is the music especially in the chess scene is some of my favorite music of all of the all of the harry potter movies
1: love it
0: um i also really liked the trio and seeing how they each have strengths so since you guys said harry and hermione i guess i'll go ahead and say ronald <laughs> and um i'll salute him sacrificing himself in the chess game well, any final thoughts you guys before we sign off
1: we're almost done
0: i know can you believe it one chapter left
1: we we just did on it all, we almost did an entire book That's crazy. Yeah,
0: we did it. (laughs) Um, And listeners, we have some fun episodes coming up after. Um, So next week will be chapter 17, the final chapter. And then we have a few, three fun episodes. So don't go anywhere (laughs) and subscribe and leave a five-star review. (laughs) Uh, But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for causing havoc with us today. Uh, like I just said, next time we will be discussing Chapter 17, "The Man with Two Faces." This is an um, this is two hours and six minutes through the end of the film, so we are almost done. James, where can our listeners find you?
1: You guys can go to James M Beltran on TikTok and Instagram, and that's it.
0: Um, you can mostly
2: find me on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And from there, you can find all of my other projects.
0: And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at Captain.McDee. And you can find my other projects linked there as well. Uh, don't forget to follow Peeves Gapfest on both Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. And um, leave us a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. If you have feedback for us, please leave us a voicemail. We haven't gotten any voicemails yet. So please call us at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at peevesgabfest.com. We love receiving those emails. Also, join the discussion in the Facebook group. Lots of people are posting there. The three of us actually comment and interact with you. So hop on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Until next time, Ickle firsties.
1: Bye.